what does it look like to you? Do you detect a sort of coherent strategy behind what the UK government has been trying to do? Well, I, I was um, working with the French government over the last years, which means that I was very close to the Brexit situation, uh, but also very close to uh, the French president's positioning towards the European Union. And I must say the consistency of the, of the British positioning is, is understandable if you understand what the EU uh, is, is, is doing and what is they want to do. We must say, even if we love Europe and we love the, 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 the European project, there is something that is for sure, is that we have issues in Europe as well. We are now so many in Europe, and, and it's politically so fragmented that sometimes countries with strong opinions about what Europe should do are really uh, struggling with a kind of, uh, of differences in political approach, in political values in political understanding of what's going on in this world. But Sylvain, if you'd been a Brit like us, would you have voted leave or would you have voted remain? I mean, what do you genuinely think would have been the right answer for our you know, economic well-being here? Considering the economic aspects, what is, what is economy, etc., et I would have voted for remaining. But then there is, you know, this rise of, of this kind of new idea of sovereignty. And so the idea of sovereignty is very strong in our world. It's true for many, many countries in the world who want to be, you know, uh, sovereign, autonomous, to be independent. And so the idea is more political. So from, from a political point of view, I can understand the, 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 the Brexit. But, you know, it's uh, very interesting because it's a risk that has been taken. I, I know everything about the Brexit campaign and what has been said and the, and the struggle and the lies, etc., etc., and, and the, the, the difficulty of this campaign. But what is very interesting is that the choice that has been made, made by, the, by the British people is maybe not very rational. I mean, because it's political, which means that it's the choice that has been made on the basis of the idea that a country has of itself which is something a bit, you know, intangible, something that you don't really understand. It's cultural. It's something that, as a Frenchman, I can't judge. I can't, you know, I don't have any idea. But it's, it's interesting from a foreign point of view to have this very integrated uh, country in the world economy, in the, in the European Union, saying, you know what, there is something more important. It's our sovereignty. What is sovereignty? Well, we don't know. We'll see what it is. But it's something that we believe in. So it's, it's a belief. It's something, it's like a, an act of faith. I don't know. It's a, fr from, a, from a foreign point of view, it's, a, it's something that is very, very interesting to observe. I would not say that I would like to live it as a Frenchman, but, um, but uh, to experience it. But from a foreign point of view, it's, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's very original. And I, I'm very interested in, in, in observing what's going on and what's, uh, what's coming up. You work closely with Monsieur Macron. Yeah. I think we're fascinated here to know precisely what he thinks of us in a kind of a rational, but also maybe in an emotional sense, because he was a banker before he became a politician. Maybe we kid ourselves, but people, people sense that maybe there are certain aspects of, of Britain and Britishness that he likes and approves of. Is that true? Oh, yes, it's absolutely true. First of all, it's, uh, it's, uh, maybe it's not very important, but as you may know, he has uh, British origins uh, and is a man is a man from the north of France. So it's it's, it's quite close to this uh, uh, northern culture. He's not a man of the he's not a Mediterranean, you know. 
On the other hand, uh, many people in, in France consider that this president is a bit too much Anglo-Saxon because he speaks English, because uh, he's very keen to, is uh, very interested in, in the business world, he's, he's very pro-business, which is quite original for a French president that hasn't, hasn't been seen for decades now. As you mentioned, he's, he's been a banker uh, at Rothschild, etc., which is uh, obviously uh, also very much rooted in, in England. And on the other hand, I think that there is something that you should have in mind is that he has created, in a way, this idea of European sovereignty. What does it mean? It means that Europe now is not uh, a union, is not a, 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 just a market. It's a political reality. And this political reality has to face the, some rivals like uh, the, the Chinese empire, the American empire, the Russian empire. So the, the, the European Union is kind of an empire. And that's this idea. I mean, it's a geostrategic idea. And obviously, this meets very much the British view that British is a former empire and could become a new empire. And this idea of sovereignty is very much rooted in his own political values. It doesn't share, in a way, the German view saying, well, Europe is a market and that's it. And we're here to sell cars. It's not, it's not his view at all. He has a very political view. And in this, this regard, he's very close to, to many people here in England saying, well, what is important for a country is to be sovereign and independent. So say you were signed on tomorrow as, as, a, as a close political advisor to Boris Johnson and the British government. And they went to you and said, what would your advice be about strategy for the UK, you know, in the years to come, 2021 and going forward from that? What do you think our strengths and our weaknesses are? Well, first, I, I wish it would not happen for, for your own sake. Um, but uh, if we theoretically um, uh, answer this question, I, I would say that my impression, maybe I'm wrong, because, uh, but... Um, is that today in, in the world as it is, um, the UK is very well positioned on, on very advanced uh, topics like uh, research. Uh, and, and we can see, for instance, that there is a British vaccine. There is no, unfortunately, there is no French vaccine, for instance. We can see that the UK is very well positioned when it comes to space, when it comes to nuclear energy, when it comes to, to many things, to digital and, and, and in a way, uh, it's, it's very interesting for a, for a foreigner, again, to see that a small country, as, because, well, in, the, in this globalized world, the United Kingdom is not a, a large country, is so much advanced on key topics of tomorrow's world. This should make uh, the British government quite confident in, in achieving some goals. The other strength that I, that I, I can see is it, it, can, it can seem very, uh, in a way, stupid what I'm going to say, but it's the language. The English language is the common language in the world, and it remains a, a very, very important strength for the UK. When, when we speak about weaknesses, obviously the weakness today uh, is that you have to rebuild all your bilateral relationships with the rest of the world. And this is a, an incredible struggle, because obviously we are living in a world where um, many, many... Uh, countries as, uh, that I mentioned before, the United States, Russia, and, and China, have built their own system, uh, which is built on, on, on a kind of exclusivity with economic zones and economic partners. And re rebuilding uh, bilateral relationships with countries that might be associated with these huge uh, countries uh, is really a challenge. 
So I wouldn't say it's a, it's a, it's a weakness today. I hope for you that it will be a strength tomorrow. Uh, but for today, yes, there is obviously uh, something something here that is very challenging and very uh, I would be should be a concern. Even impartial observers in this country feel at the moment is that there's a competence deficit within the UK government, and we've seen that in the way in which they've dealt with COVID. I think many people have deep misgivings about the way they vacillated on policy going backwards and forwards. And also, even impartial observers feel at the moment that there is a lack of a strategy, that we've spent the last four years almost tearing each other apart. Emotionally, it's a very, very raw topic, and it divides the country. It even divides families and many people who didn't want to go are still very upset i think about the fact that we're now out i can feel it as well and i think it's very difficult today for a country to write its strategy to invent its strategy it's really an effort that has to be made when when um, emmanuel macron uh, ran for presidency in 2016 he had a new approach, you know, and he had made this kind of, of, of commitment to writing, I mean, writing on the paper, uh, a new strategy, a new doctrine for, for the country, for France. And I think it's something that in, in, in a period like this one that the UK is experiencing is something that should be done. The people in the government or in, in, the, in the opposition, they should, you know, gather and say, well, now we've done that. Now, where are we heading to? And I can feel that it's not really something that is that has been done. Now I can feel that the last four years have been spent not doing that, but you know addressing other issues. But I think it's very important. Just to give you examples, uh, you, you could not imagine today's Russia without a strong strategy. They have huge weaknesses, economically speaking, socially speaking. It's it's not really a democracy. It's a kind of democracy, but but they have a strategy. China has a strategy. The U.S. Tend, tended not to have a strategy. Are they going to have a new strategy? I don't know. But France, from 2016 and 2017, has a strategy. This strategy is struggling. Of course, the COVID doesn't help, but there is a strategy. And I think that the, when you are a powerful country like, like the U.K., you can't you know, afford not to have a clear strategy, not to write it down, not to put words for it. It's, a, it's, it's very important. It's just like for every business, every business has to have a business plan. But just to come back to COVID and the, the fact that the government seems to be to handle that in a, in a very uh, bizarre way, we must also uh, recognize that it's exactly the same in France. I mean, um, we had so, so many cr- criticism against the French government for not uh, providing uh, on time the masks and the tests and now the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. This COVID situation is is really a political challenge for every government, and I think there is no correct way to handle it. For instance, as you know, first we said, well, some some six months ago, we said, well, Germany is doing so well, it's so fantastic, and and Merkel has been criticized as well. And now that there is a rise of cases in COVID in Germany, and they have to lock down, it's too soon to say who has handled this situation really well. We were always perceived, weren't we, within Europe as a slightly sort of troublesome neighbour. We entered the the common market as it was then late, and certainly through the Thatcher years, it was a tempestuous relationship. We had many of the advantages that came with membership, 
and we'd avoided the disadvantages, certainly, you know, after 2008 and the, and the great crash. Do you think the way we were sitting then was enviable? Well, I think that um, the, the, there is something very original about the, as you say, that UK had the, the best of, of both worlds. But the thing is that there is a problem originally with the UK in Europe, is that uh, the UK does not belong to the, to, the, to the side of the losers of the Second World War. I mean, it's the only country that can claim to be a winner of the Second World War. I explain how deep this goes. I think European Union is based on a will uh, of reconciliation, of erasing some kind of the past, of forgetting and forgiving the crimes that have been uh, committed during the war. And France, which is with Germany, obviously a pillar of the European Union, is, is not a winner of this war. It's not. I mean, it's a, it's a story that we tell, that the Gould, the Gould told. But the fact, the truth is that we are, we are losers. And the way we behaved during the Second World War is far from being exemplary. So I think we are very much linked to the European Union by the idea to overcome a certain period of our history. And this is the very root of, of the European Union. Unfortunately, or fortunately for you, the UK doesn't really share this view and never shared it. From an economic point of view, the, you and the, 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 the UK can have been a member of, the, of this European Union. But from a cultural point of view, intellectual point of view, uh, political point of view, they've always been aside, always, because they don't share really this kind you know, of bad conscience of, of kind of, you know, of, of thing of the past and history and continental history, you know, with, with the Germans, we share the Alsace-Lorraine situation, you know, they take it, we take it, we regain it, we re- et cetera, et cetera. We share this, this idea of territory, you know, of, 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 of border that has been disputed over the years, over the centuries. We don't share that with the UK. It's a completely different situation. I think what worries us is that there's going to be a kind of a vindictive backlash against us. We're going to be made to suffer for causing that huge degree of trouble. Oh, yes, I, I, I see your point. I think, <laughs> I think you definitely can expect a backlash. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. No, I think in Europe, really, uh, what you have done, we can say it's over, but it's not. Because from a, from a political point of view and a symbolic point of view, you gave the first example that maybe the European Union is not here to last forever, which is really... Uh, hurting the project uh, deeply, you know. You can't do what you have done. You know, you, you can spit, uh, as we, we say in France, you, can, you can't spit in the soup and expect it to be good. It's, it's something that goes much deeper in the very root of the European project itself. Maybe your thought as a country, and I don't say it's, 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 it's true or false, I just say it's, that's the way it is, because you thought that uh, you deserve better than this, because you are the United Kingdom and the British Empire, you know. So you deserve better than this poor European Union uh, overcrowded with Eastern Europe and this ex-USSR uh, um, countries, blah, blah, blah. European countries will show you yeah, that you, you did not deserve better. Because if, if the future of the UK demonstrates that actually you did deserve better, it's a problem for Europe. We have to make the best of it now one has to sort of try and be positive and optimistic to do something about it. Do you think that's true? 
I think there are many opportunities actually for everyone, for every country. And, and I think it's the idea is to identify the opportunities that you are the most in position to save as a country. You can't win uh, everything. You can't be the best on every uh, level. Just you have to choose your battles. Between France and the UK, there is some kind of relationship that can't be undone. I think France, in a way, still needs the UK. Uh, and I think the UK should realize that. The UK is the only country in Europe with whom France can share some views on the world. The UK is the only European country with France to have uh, a sea empire, who have had a sea empire, to have this, you know, this culture of looking further, of considering the world, of trying to understand the world. You know? And uh, you have many, many countries in Europe are, are, are much more closed on themselves than the Brexit UK is. It's very dual here again, because at the same time, you're fleeing our European community. You say, well, it's not for me. I deserve better. I don't like strangers and don't like foreigners, blah, blah, blah. So it's a, that's, that's for sure. But at the same time, the UK remains a country deeply inserted in the world as it is. You know, it's a, it's a country of, of it's, it's an actor of globalization. I must confess, as, as, as much as I, I like Germany, it's very difficult to have a, a reasonable conversation with Germany about what is at stake in tomorrow's world, uh, except maybe for economic issues. When you come to strategic issues, Germany is not maybe the best partner we can find. Instead, uh, we know that in the UK, we have interlocutors that, that can bring a lot of understanding and enlightening about what is the world uh, of tomorrow about. And that's, that's a strength that maybe you could leverage on, I think. And it's, this is real politics, absolutely.